with my teachers. Um, I try to provide them with things that, you know, I possibly wanted or desired when I was in the classroom. Uh, and so I try to be creative about doing that in a way that I'm not trying to project what Chase would do or what Mr. Arrington would do, but I'm trying to tap into what is it that, you know, what are their strengths and how can we grow that strength? Because if you're focusing on their strength, it's going to magnify what they're already doing while also embedding the, the areas of growth into those strengths. Welcome back to Run the Layers. I'm your host, Creative Bobby. And on this episode, I am with educator, administrator, leader, just all around fantastic person, Chase Arrington. Chase, how are you doing this evening? You're selling me too much, buddy. You're selling me too much, but I'm doing great. We're doing great. Can't complain. Uh, happy to be back in school with the kids. Other than that, things are going well. Good, 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 good. So I want to have you on here because on this podcast, we talk about creativity and I want to highlight people that I know that are doing great things and have used creativity in many different ways. And because creativity, you know, you have to use it to succeed in a lot of different avenues. So I want to start here with you. When you think of creativity, what does that word mean to you and how do you use it in your life? Ooh, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> uh, creativity for me is, uh, I know it's cliche, but it's thinking outside the box. It's um, going beyond the boundaries that, the, that society has constructed for us to, to do things in life. Um, so just speaking from my personal career, uh, I don't approach my, my building each, each day the same as some other administrators do. And each building is very different. Uh, but I have to meet my kids where they are. And I have to find creative ways to build relationships with the community, uh, my families, my students. So something as small as I know a lot of people are like, well, this is not huge. But uh, acknowledging students in the shoe game that they have, that opens up so many conversations uh, because they they acknowledge that in our culture, because I, I work at a predominantly uh, black and brown school in our culture, you know, shoe game is important. Mm -hmm. And if your shoe game on point, then you have like the status in society. Again, social construction of what America has deemed a status, you know, a certain status. Um, and so going outside those those boundary lines and going beyond, you know, what books just always say how to build capacity of the community. I, I try to really think outside those boxes because I want to be able to save as many kids as I can and in as many creative ways as I can do it. And so if it requires me to stand on my head and do flips and do whatever I have to do, I'm going to do what I have to do to get the job done. And so that's what it means when you're talking about being a creative leader being um, creative in your own, um, being creative in your own craft. Because I think when you hone in on your, your own craft, uh, you're gonna work different ways. And I, and I can speak to you as well. I mean, you're super creative. Our minds are completely different, yet your mind is predominantly a science background. Mm -hmm. And so you're more concrete and less abstract and my background being more mathematics, I'm more concrete, but I've had to learn to ebb and flow in that gray area mm. that a lot of people don't like to live in and they want things to be black and white. And I've learned over the years that I have to 
delve into the gray area a little bit more. And by doing so, it's allowed me to grow as a person and also as a leader. So that's how I would guess I would sum up creativity, um, living in that gray area and being okay with doing things outside the box. Mm, that's good. Like, cause I know like with me, like you talked about like science background, but I'm a graphic designer and mm -hmm. I, I didn't even kind of recognize how I design certain things till I got like years into it where it's like, especially now it's like, I like things to have a certain structure because it helps me like put it together. So yeah. it's like still that part of the brain that it's like, like I like things on a grid because yeah. I know things are symmetrical. I know everything's going to work a certain way, but then I'm doing like creative things. And yeah. that's something I've had to try to work on recently is trying to be able to be more comfortable doing abstract things, even though it's like, no, nah, it has to have a form. Like, no, just yeah. mark this thing and it's fine. It's like, yeah, just go with it. Just let it, just let the juices flow. Let the energy flow for sure. Yeah. So I want to get your uh, experience and kind of have you answer these two questions is what's mm -hmm. your favorite creation by someone else? And what's your favorite creation by you? Oh, whoa. <laughs> that is broad. That is wide open. Um, my favorite creation by someone else. Whew. There's so many things. Um, give me one second. Let me process that. So... Let me, can I do, I'm gonna do the second question first. Um, I guess my favorite creation um, for myself, what a lot of people don't know is I have charted out times throughout my day where I intentionally uh, make space and room for my friends and family mm. to check in with them. And a lot of people might not think that's creative. Uh, however, I realize a lot of people need certain things in life and me giving them that space to have that opportunity for me is something that I've charted in my daily walk to ensure that I meet the needs of others um, because everybody needs something different. And the way that we are spaced in each other's life is for a particular reason. I know mm -hmm. Curtis, okay. Um, and so I'm creative with how I connect with people mm -hmm. um, because being in so many different organizations, being in so many social groups, I have to be creative in how I ebb and flow with those groups from a political standpoint, from a personal standpoint, and from a business standpoint mm -hmm. and making sure that the lines don't get blurred uh, when crossing those boundaries or attempting to go into other spaces and respecting people uh, when you go into those spaces. So in my head and in my phone, I, would, I, I seriously have charted out, okay, I haven't talked to this person. I need to check in with them. Mm. And for me, while it's, it's going back to what you said, it's being structured, yet I am allowing space for abstract thinking. So if I call and check in on them, it's really just a check-in, but a lot of times it opens up that door for other opportunities for them to discuss challenges they're facing in life or even something that's going great. Hmm. And so through those opportunities, I've learned how to uh, hold spaces, not necessarily for small talk, but to generate small talk for an end in mind. Hmm. 
That's, that's if, really if that makes any sense to anybody out there listening. <laughs> but I, I really do. And small talk was something I usually, I didn't do. I, I struggled with it because it required you to be creative. It required you to pull from different spaces of your um, of your of your personal life and your professional life to be able to hold conversation mm. and ground yourself in those conversations and be comfortable with talking about things that you may or may not be familiar with. Mm. And embracing someone else's you know perspective, viewing things from another lens, um, and viewing people from a different culture, and embracing all of those different values that makes America what it is. Mm. And so a lot of people are just like, you know, Chase, you're going to stress yourself out by doing that. But that's, that's how I create my life. And mm. that's how I live my life. And so um, I'm, I'm creative in that aspect in my personal life. Um, and in work, I can say, um, I know I did personal, I'm, I'm going to stretch a little bit. I'm going to do work. Um, in, my, in my professional life, I am uh, creative in a sense that I create the same spaces for my teachers um, mm-hmm. to come in my room, to come in my office and be transparent what's going on. And it, it's completely non-evaluative. So if they walk in my room and before they walk in my office, I ask, is this like, is this vending session or is this feedback session? Give me that space so I know how to approach this situation. And again, by going into that situation with an open mind, with a creative mind, I'm always having to pull things and try to give them feedback. Uh, you know, for every one thing I want them to grow, I always try to give them two things that they're doing extremely well mm-hmm. um, to balance it out because I don't ever want them to shut down from me. I mm-hmm. want to be that vessel for them to feel comfortable in the building. I don't want them home and have that small talk with their family members because that can be create that can create tension and you know frustration in the home. And when I, they get home, I want them to be home with their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I create that creative space for them. Um, is it a lot on me? Sometimes it is because I do that at work, but I also come home and do it in my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to be creative in how I approach situations and embrace different cultures and different values. Um, so I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out something somebody else created a creation because I think creation is so broad. Um, it's, it's so broad. What I will say is I don't necessarily know who created it, but I'm huge on number sense and we do math talks and number talks in the classroom where we just try to figure out fluency of students' uh, ability, the ableism of them being able to uh, generate various approaches to number facts. Hmm. And um, I really appreciate whomever created that (laughs) because it opens up so much dialogue for my teachers in the classroom for them to get get data, real-time data from students whether or not they understand a concept or whether or not they're even ready to approach the concept. So mm-hmm. that gives them creative space to scaffold for different students, whether they're, you know, performed below at or above grade level. And then they also have to have this withitness to be able to switch gears immediately in the middle of a lesson. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate whomever that was out there that created number talks and math and, and math talks because it, it does create and lean into that creative space in the math classroom, which when you and I came through public schools, creative space for math, what's that? <laughs> it was very much 
algorithm driven. It was very much fact-based. This is me lecturing you. This is what you do, as opposed to giving them that space for that creative tension, that mm. creative, that, you know, that, um, that constructive, critical, stru productive struggle. Mm. And that is where I think I appreciate this new, um, people say new, but the, the way instruction is going these days with the notion of allowing students to productively struggle. Mm. And when they productively struggle, what do they learn? Because in that case, they learn what to do and also possibly what not to do, what may work and what didn't work. But the point is for them to have that productive struggle conversation with each other. So whomever did that too, I get excited about that. All right, that's why I'm going to stop. I'm going to pull back. There you go. <laughs> gotcha. So that was, that was really, that was really good. Like, Especially talking about like creating spaces like for friends and family, because that's been that's been something that's been on my mind a lot recently. Because when you're an adult with a full-time job and aspirations, like it can be very easy to disconnect mm -hmm. from the people, like especially in my situation, like moving away from where I'm from, like it can be very easy for me to disconnect from the people back home because you're because I'm so into like what I'm trying to do here right but, but then there are those moments where I feel the disconnection and I don't like it so I need mm -hmm. to, I gotta tap in like I had a conversation with my brother re like this weekend about yeah I miss you bro like, we need to have more conversations because usually he's calling me mm -hmm. so I kind of got used to that so then when that stopped it was like nah this don't feel right so let me right. let me let me tap in and like at your job, like you, like, you know, trying to be that advocate for, you know, your staff, for the teachers, because, you know, teachers definitely, especially nowadays need that space where they can be like, okay, this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I like how you said at the, like at the beginning where it's like, okay, is this a vent session or is this something that like an action item I need to take care of? So if right. it's a vent session, okay, here's the space, do your thing no judgment, no evaluation. All right. Because a lot of people need that. And sometimes people don't know they need it until they're ready to blow up, <laughs> you know, like until they've reached that, that point of tension where it's like, okay, I need to express this to right. someone that's yeah. going to, that someone that understands, but is not going to judge you based on what you're, what you're venting. Yeah. And I, you know, I try to give people what I, I sometimes didn't have. That's the way I look at my kids. I try to create things for my students in my building that I didn't have when I was in public schools. Um, same with my teachers. Um, I try to provide them with things that, you know, I possibly wanted or desired when I was in the classroom. Uh, and so I try to be creative about doing that in a way that I'm not trying to project what Chase would do or what Mr. Arrington would do, but I'm trying to tap into what is it that you know, what are their strengths and how can we grow that strength? Because if you're focusing on their strength, it's going to magnify hmm. what they're already doing while also embedding the, the areas of growth into those strengths. Because I mean, even with some areas of growth, there's still some positive outlook that you can have. Is the person coachable? And if the person's coachable, let me find out a way to be creative to tap into those strengths and make those areas of growth and a strength as well. So 
Um, we just have to be real creative as administrators in doing that uh, and not to belittle them or demean them or to make it compliance driven. And that's the last thing I, I do not want what I'm expecting teachers to do to be a checkbox. I want you to truly believe this is what's best for kids. And if we can't make that paradigm shift, then I have to still be creative in how to get you to see the bigger picture. That's real. That's real. That's real good. (laughs) It's a completely different conversation from 2002, right? (laughs) Oh, 2002. Oh, 2002. Like having the people like, cause a lot of people that I'm having the pod are people that in band that I march with. So it's like, cause I, cause I had um, Rashonda on. And so, and then having, and I told, I told her, I was like, it's crazy to see the people that I marched with, like fully grown, like, like we have the jobs that we saw other people have it was like, yeah, one day we're going to do that. And now it's like, yeah, like homecoming, we hang out and stuff like that. But then we go back and then we're like doing the jobs that yeah, back in 02, we were like, I'm just trying to make it in this band program. I'm just trying to play this trumpet. And, but then a lot of the friendships and a lot of the bonds and my trajectory would be totally different if I never went to ANT, if I never was in the Absolutely. band. Like, Absolutely. Totally different. And just yeah. a shameless plug, your dad was the one that oversaw me in my internship at Harrison, my first internship. Yep. Wow. That's why I met he, I never forget, we went in his office and um, he, he talked to us about where we were going to go. And I mean, he was the one that I had to check in with when I came to the school. Mm. So again, your father being the administrator, you know, kind of led me down a trajectory of where I was going to eventually go um, to see a black male in that role when that's not so common. Um, so it's, it, it was, that was an eye-opening experience for me as well when I did my internships. So it all comes full circle, just to, just to throw that shameless plug out there for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's dope. That is dope. So I want to, the final two questions are big ones. So what is something you've always wanted to create, but haven't yet? And what's stopping you from doing it? So I've always said I wanted to write a book. Mm. Uh, You know, doing the book for the HBCU experience, um, alumni band edition was uh, an opportunity for me to see kind of the the inner workings behind the scene Mm. of a book. And as I'm now going through this doctoral program and having to write a dissertation uh, and planning to, you know, hopefully propose next summer and start writing next fall, um, I want to, I, I, I plan to utilize that research to possibly look into writing books in the future to help um, educators, primarily black male educators in the classroom or in administration, how to productively maneuver the political side of education and education policy. 
mm. uh, because it's a dog eat dog world out there. Mm. And as you hear me continue to say, is that best for students? I don't know that that's the conversation across America. Um, a lot of times we're just so focused on data that we forget that there's a name that's attached to the data. There's a culture attached to the data. There are needs attached to the data. And the only way we can eradicate what I consider poverty or those that are less fortunate is to provide them with the maximum exposure to education and to be able to get them across that stage in 12th grade and a plan of action when they leave the stage, whether it's the military workforce or community college or four-year college. We have to do better with doing that. And the conversation can't, we can't wait for the conversation to happen in high school. Um, high school is way too late. Conversation for me is starting now in middle school and not to say students have to know what they want to do when they grow up, but they, you have to have an interest somewhere. And being okay with people saying, hey, I wanna be a cosmetologist. Okay, let me put you on the path to get there. Because we all, women love getting their hair done. We got these lacticians out here that are making money. And there is so much out here for blue collar workers. And I just want to be in a space to be able to provide students access to a successful future, whatever that looks like for them. I want them to de define success. And then how do we help them get there? And that's the political side that is not considered because we're so focused on test data, test data, state testing, state testing. And last year should have told us that state testing, I mean, testing students after they haven't really been exposed to the material, it's, it's unfair. Well, I understand we have to do it. Um, it was quite unfair because our students that are typically used to passing didn't pass. And so now we're playing around with self-esteem. We're playing around with confidence. We're playing around with social emotional learning. And um, suicide rates are, suicide interventions are extremely high. The students who are considering suicide is extremely high because they don't see a successful future for themselves because they feel like they don't fit inside the box, the mm -hmm. social, social construction of what America says a student should be. And so when you talk about marginalized populations, um, a lot of policies don't include us. They don't include us. So um, I could go down a whole rabbit hole with that, but I'm not. <laughs> but that is a, that, that, that's something that I do desire to create. What's stopping me? Um, time. Time is the only thing. So, you know, once I finish the doctorate, um, I, that's something that I do desire to pursue um, because I want to be a, that effective leader that uh, is a catalyst for change mm. in education. Mm. That's really good. And you would make a fun, you would write a phenomenal book. I already, I already uh, look, because I got a story to tell. I try to tell folks because this little boy from Halifax County, <laughs> I, I mean, I would have never guessed. Um, and then now to even be a finalist for assistant principal of the year in Guilford County, I think I, 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 from where I started to ended up here, I just, I would have never thought. So I know if I can do it and I had limited access, 
coming through K-12 um, and a lateral entry teacher without the necessary um, pedagogy skills when I entered the classroom. Um, I know if I can do it with a little work, a little tenacity and support, anybody can do anything they put their minds to. So Absolutely. I don't want to stifle that for students. And being and and giving that information, because I know for me it was a lot of before I decided to do this or any kind of blog, any kind of content creation, I did not think I was meant for that just because I don't. When you think of people who teach things and when you think of people who write books or when you think of people who do fill in the blank, you have an image in your head mm -hmm. and the image often doesn't match your image of yourself. Mm, but who created that? Social construction of America. Because you see like you have a certain like like you were talking about the paths of, OK, like this is the box. This is what you're supposed to do, like what a student is supposed to be like. Uh, we graduated college right when the you do you go to this school, you're high school, you go to college, get a good job, blah, blah, blah. like when the formula was falling apart, mm -hmm. right when we we're getting out of college. So like mm -hmm. we're like right at the point where we're completing the formula that they said was mm -hmm. gonna happen. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, this whole economy is gonna just tank. Mm -hmm. And then we're gonna go ahead and just all right, have have fun in the real world figure it out and mm -hmm. then me kind of being in a place where it's like oh this thing I studied I kind of don't want to do that I feel like I'm meant for something I'm, I think I'm meant for this design thing yeah. which is a crazy looking back it's crazy that I wasn't more anxious about making that decision but mm -hmm. I think because that decision was just so core to no you're meant to do this yeah that it gave me the confidence to do it but like a lot of kids like, because exposure leads to expansion. So mm -hmm. people not being exposed to certain things, they're not going to know that think certain things are possible. Like, I didn't know graphic design was even a viable option to have a career in. Like, I, mm -hmm. like, like there's certain kids that, that don't know. And then that keeps changing too. Like, yeah. I feel like people have this certain paradigm of the path of a student into the workforce mm -hmm. that it's not actually being updated. So people are, like living their lives based on an antiquated notion of what their lives are supposed to be mm -hmm. and I feel like like people like you like giving them game and like and giving them a time give them space because that's what I feel like a lot of people don't have space or aren't given space they're just like shut up do this and then yeah. do that next thing and you move on but yeah. more people giving space and the more people that look like us giving game on okay this is the dream of education. This is what we want education to be. How do you survive it based on what it is right now? Right. And how, how are you going to become an agent of change to get it closer to where we feel like it's supposed to be? Yeah. And so I think about individuals like yourself, Sean Harrison, and so many other individuals who, um, even though this was, there was a path that you guys took, um, all of these different opportunities that were offered, for example, in the School of Technology at a and I hadn't heard of that stuff before. I mean, I wasn't exposed to it. Being from Halifax County, we didn't have programming classes. We didn't have computer science classes. We didn't have um, any HTML, JavaScript. We didn't have any of that. 
So my first exposure to any of that was Black Planet. Mm. And, you know, that was the first space that I saw that I could create this web page. And from there, it expanded for so many other individuals that they said, I want to do this for a career. But I didn't know the access point in order to do that. Same right. with going to law school. Nothing was ever talked to me in high school about going to law school. Nothing was ever talked to me about going to medical school. I didn't know what the, the right or the, you know, with going to law school, it doesn't matter the undergraduate degree. But going to medical school, nobody ever, we didn't offer AP chemistry, AP biology, AP physics. We didn't offer any of that. Mm. I didn't even have AP calculus and I have a whole math degree. And so when I think about what things halted me from being what I thought Chase could be, I had to, that's what led me to education because I didn't have the firmest foundation. Um, you recall helping me in chemistry mm -hmm. and you just slept through chemistry class, or whatever, <laughs> give me my A, let me move on. And I'm sitting there like, no dude, like I need you to help me. And I'm sitting here in this honors chemistry course not having a clue what the heck is going on because the chemistry I took in high school, it wasn't really standards-based instruction. And that's nothing against my teacher I had. Um, I think at that time they did the best that they could do with what was provided. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, I just didn't have that equitable access. And so I think of everything being equitable. Mm -hmm. And if you, knew, if you know that Halifax County being one of the, at that time, one of the lowest performing school districts in the state um, and having the assistant teams from the state to come in and take over and support the principals um, and giving us somewhat of productive instruction. I already knew when I went to college, I wasn't going to be at the same, I wasn't entering college at the same access point as students of yourself who went to a Grimsley High School and had IB and AP courses out the wazoo. I mean, you graduate a whole IB diploma and yet here I am light years behind you, yet we're the same age, mm. the same state. Mm. Mm. I, that gives me pause. Mm. So I think about rural North Carolina, think about Eastern North Carolina and the lack of opportunities that exists there because of funding, uh, because of the high poverty, you know, rates. Uh, and then the fact that getting quality instructors in, in those areas is extremely hard. Mm. The pay is so far beneath everybody else. I'm not even sure if Halifax County even offers a supplement. Mm. I think the teachers may get base salary. So how do you compete with a Chapel Hill who gives possibly 18% you know, supplement or Gifford County 12% supplement with, you know, Halifax County. And, and I, I, my, my heart goes out to those students. And so a lot of people ask me, why haven't you gone back to Halifax County? They're doing work, they're doing great work there. But I think the work needs to be done everywhere. It's not just how, that's just where I came from. I'm sure there might be some areas of growth across the entire nation that needs the same work. So that's why I'm extremely passionate about the equity with that piece because we put a lot of policies in place regarding students schools being able to do this level of work um, at this grade level, no matter where they are in the state. And so we're comparing a student much like you and I were compared on the same baseline, mm. yet we took completely different courses and took the same state, state, state tests.
because we were given that we were given different access points. When you took algebra two, I took algebra two, we had two different algebra two experiences. Mm-hmm. Yet we were we were assessed the same way across the state. Mm-hmm. Where's the equity in that? education man like all my education friends y'all always blow my mind when y'all talk about all the stuff's going on. i'd be like whoo that's a lot it's, it's 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 difficult and so that's why you want to make sure you put quality instructors in the classroom we mm-hmm. don't want these warm bodies and i despise the fact that people say those who can do those who can't teach mm. because not everybody ended up in education because they couldn't make it in corporate america or, or wherever else, healthcare, whatever else they desire to do. Um, Some people, it's a calling. Mm. And I always tell people, no matter what, educators are gonna touch every person in this world. Mm -hmm. Everybody in this world had to come through some educator. Facts. Yeah, public K-12, charter, private, or higher ed. So, I just, I wish people would respect the, the calling, so. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And I knew you were gonna be a leader no matter <laughs> where you went. Well, I, I appreciate that I received it. Um, I'm just excited to be able to do the work. Somebody trusts me to do the work, mm. so. That's what's up, that's what's up. Chase dropping all these gems. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, sir. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank, thank you, sir. So where can the people find you on social media? Uh, <laughs> you know, I have to remember my social media handles. Uh, I don't really, I mean, Chase Arrington, just simple as a day on Facebook. Um, uh, Instagram, Common underscore denominator one two three. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's correct. Um, and my Twitter is Chase AA one two three something of that nature. Yeah, I try. I, I try to keep up with it. It's too much. I, I guess I need to be creative and keeping up with how to tap into my social media accounts. You gotta get on there, man. I, I, I keep up. I, I I see what I need to see, and yeah, but. People are willing to follow me. I'm, I'm open to, I think I'm, I'm, I maxed out my friends on Facebook. Um, so I have to go and start deleting some, some people. Mr. Especially Popular. if they have double accounts. Like you got a double account, one of the accounts got to go. So I got, <laughs> I don't know which one I'm removing, but I got to remove it, so. Oh man. All right, that's <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. And Thank y'all for listening. Be sure to share, give five-star reviews. Remember, as you go along in life, teach as you learn and inspire as you do. I will see y'all next time.